It's Richard Zwicky with High Unhealthy. And joining us today, we've got Dina Ludd, who is the co-founder and director of the Modern Health Alliance, which is based in Washington, D.C., uh, focused on developing and supporting legislative, regulatory, and other policies regarding um, everything uh, to do with psilocybin and cannabis. Welcome aboard the show, Dina. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So, you know, founding an organization like that, it doesn't come out of left field. You've been working in and around the industry for years, and you were before that you were at one point you were the executive director for Missouri Cares. Can you tell me a bit about the voyage that brought you to found the alliance and what you're hoping to change? So yeah, I was the director of Missouri Cures, um, and the organization was an advocacy group really focused on protecting medical research in the state of Missouri, in particular stem cell research. So we led a ballot initiative back in 2006 <laughs> um, to keep stem cell research legal in the state of Missouri. And though we passed that barely by 51%, each year it was a challenge. We were being sued. We were having legislators try to put bad language into our constitutional amendment to try to ban various forms of medical research. So I became this passionate research advocate. My background is policy. I've been in politics for, oh boy, 25 years. And I had the absolute pleasure of working with all the research institutions around the state of Missouri. And then I found myself working on the national level. Right. So I was a founding board member of the Alliance for uh, Regenerative Medicine out of D.C. And the founder of that organization was Michael Werner. I bring up his name for a reason. I'll come back to him. Um, but then in 2018, Missouri, um, was, they had medical cannabis on the ballot. And I thought, well, I've got to get involved in this. How is this going to help patients? What is the research being done around cannabis? Right. You know, so, um, I'm a founding member of MoCan. It's the Missouri Cannabis Trade Association. Right. That started in 18 and I'm the board chair. I've been the board chair for the last two years. So back to Michael. So Michael reaches out and says, hey, I see you're in cannabis. He goes, what about psychedelics? And I said, you know, it's interesting. I've been looking into more and more psilocybin and different, different types of modern therapies. He said, well, I think we should start an alliance, just like we did with the Alliance for Regenerative Medicine, but really focused on cannabis and psilocybin. And I said, well, if you're game, I'm game. So here we right. go. And Michael's a lawyer, if I remember correctly, with Holland and Knight. Yes. So Michael is an FDA regulatory attorney and lobbyist with Holland Knight there in DC. So we we really tried to do our due diligence. We looked around and we thought, is there anyone doing this type of work? Is anyone bringing everyone under this umbrella? Because as you probably know, like with cannabis, things start happening and things are, got a little crazy and there's a lot, a lot of things going on. Um, and I also do work with like Attach and NCR and various groups on safe banking and so forth. But we couldn't find a lot of groups um, who were doing policy work specifically around different types of um, modern health, um, moving therapies forward. And so really our mission is to identify and support legislative, regulatory, and other policies that encourage research and development 
to safe, effective psychedelic and cannabis products. That is the mission of our organization. Okay. And, you know, I thought the mission is fantastic. I thought it was interesting when you touched upon stem cells and the issues around that because, I mean, I've been doing a bunch of work. I've got, been approached by a couple of groups that are actually using brain stem cells, which have been shown to be incredibly powerful for their regenerative powers after traumatic injuries or long-term uh, diseases for people. And the biggest challenge is the politicians because they're making science a political issue. And when you, you start doing that, you make ignorance the driving factor where it's not about the scientific facts or even arguing whether a test was done correctly. It becomes a question of really the pushing people towards a position of ignorance where they don't get educated to make an appropriate decision because you can make good decisions, you can make bad decisions. But if you have facts, at least you're going to make educated decisions. And a lot of pol- and that's a bit of a rant, but all politics isn't bad politics. But in these areas, it's something the politicians need to stay out of more and just listen to the facts and the doctors. And how do you combat that when you sit down with one of the politicians who has dug their feet in and their heels in and saying no, and yet there is no discussion of any facts about why? Well, you you hit on it, really, the education piece. It's all about education. People need to be educated about these whether it was stem cell research, medical research, different types of um, therapy, it, it all deals with education. The other thing I found is when it personally affects somebody, it was amazing to me, the legislators that were so opposed to stem cell research, but then they, they got cancer, their mother got Parkinson's, then it turned them around. Then they were willing to hear the facts, to look into the science, to be educated about the issue because they have a loved one now who could benefit from that type of research. And I also find it's true in this world, in the psychedelic world, when you start talking to people and they say, well, my daughter is clinically depressed or, you know, my brother is a veteran and he has PTSD. And so it opens up people's minds, including legislators. We were on Capitol Hill just two weeks ago, Michael and I, um, and we were meeting with the Texas delegation, in particular, Congressman Morgan Luttrell's staff and Dan Crenshaw's staff, um, because they are really focused on those clinical trials with psilocybin for veterans. And so they've asked us to work with them hand in hand on some of their draft legislation and trying to get the number of clinical trials tripled appropriations doubled. So we're very excited. It was a great, great visit that day. Um, We met with Congresswoman Granger's office, the appropriations chair. And again, it's the education piece, educating them on why this is so important and why the money is needed to move forward with these clinical trials. Right. And the money's needed. The patients need the care. There's no question whatsoever about any of that. And yet, when we look at, you know, take the step back and our approach with politicians, the, the reality is all politics is local. And it doesn't matter if you're running for the president of the United States or you're running for a member, as to be a member of the House, the Senate, mayor, 
it all boils down to local. It's the local issues. It's the issues that matter to people that drive the decisions. And in the majority of the U.S., the people want a resolution and they want access. Why are we not able to get the politicians to listen to the people when the majority say they want something and all politics is local? Because that's again, yeah, I think again, it's an education process and we are also working with veterans groups and it's really to have veterans groups and veterans talk about their experiences and going through the treatments and so forth. That makes a huge impact also, I will have to say with legislators, they're willing to, to, to listen and to hear their stories. The other issue that we're focused on is looking at different treatments for end of life care. And, you know, I think that will really resonate with, um, with folks and so forth. But I think also backing up just a little bit. So there are states, as you know, I'm sure you know, that are trying to get various uh, policy passed on the state level. Yes. Right. And here in Missouri, we are trying to do that. We had a bill last session. Um, We have legislative session every year here in Missouri, January through May. And it would require, um, there were a small amount of appropriations to do clinical trials with veterans uh, with psilocybin. We, it flew through the house. Shocking. I mean, you just never know. We are such a red state here. Okay. (laughs) Trump won by 17 points here. Okay. And so, um, but the veterans piece really resonated with our legislators. We didn't have time to get it through the Senate, but it will be um, presented again this session. I think it's really helpful too when states, um, state to state, you know, work on those types of, of issues. Because again, like you said, it really gets into the grassroots. It really touches people on the local level, but then they, you know, work with their legislators and talk about how important it is. But then we also know to really make real change, it has to be on the federal level, the yeah. policy piece. But again, I think doing state to state, you know, Texas passed a bill and um, there's other states that are slowly looking at different types of clinical trials and with different psychedelics. um, And and we look forward to supporting those states in any way that we can, the MHA. And, you know, one of the aspects you're dealing with psilocybin and cannabis, and there are many people and groups who are choosing one or the other because the way they're being approached and the way they're being handled on many levels, but also the groups they're attracting differ wildly. And psilocybin is receiving more support um, as to, you know, as MDMA and a number of the other treatments from the pharma industry who can wrap their heads around the molecule and support it because they know how they'll participate than the cannabis industry is. How are you finding that affect your organization? Well, we just launched in September. I'll have to be honest. Okay. <laughs> pretty new. But there's always the conversations right from the start, right? And there's going to be the the various voices around the table. You're, but I mean, you are absolutely right. It's fascinating to me to watch the, like you said, MDMA and psilocybin move forward with more support and, and perhaps even more, you know, clinical tri- dollars going towards their clinical trials. Yeah. And I'm the one on the side going, whoa, 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 we cannot forget about cannabis over here. Yeah. 
you know, and so um, I, I don't, I think that, again, the research needs to move forward. Um, there's a research institution, well, Washington University here in St. Louis. I mean, they're doing psilocybin uh, research and ketamine research, but they're not doing cannabis research. And so that's that's something that, you know, I'm hoping that maybe we can change minds or get more research dollars for cannabis and so forth because i know there's a lot of groups out there including veterans groups that are really trying to get the word out about how cannabis has been really beneficial for veterans with anxiety and various issues so i don't i want to make sure that we um, support and include cannabis and the psychedelics. I don't want cannabis to be left behind, you know. So no, and you know, it's it is amazing because as you touched on before, you know, the the veterans they've given everything for the country, and we it doesn't matter what political party or affiliation you have, you talk you always speak and try and support veterans' needs because they've given, and you know, in Canada, all the veterans have free access to cannabis to deal with PTSD and other conditions. And in the US, we keep running around and talking about it. And it's shameful because really we're doing a disservice to the people who lay their lives down or on the line for the rest of us. And all they're asking for is help and the help they know and have identified. Um, those patient advocacy groups, um, like the veterans and the like, do you find that, do you think that a wedge issue of a particular condition is going to get a better response than a full, uh, full frontal attack, for want of a better term, where instead of going in as cannabis as a whole, wedging open one issue may get more traction with reticent lawmakers? I, I think so. And I and again, I can just look at my experience and what I dealt with with the stem cell uh, research coalition. Those patient advocacy groups were so important to us to get our message out and for lawmakers to understand. You know whether we were working with the Diabetes Association or the MS Association and so forth. And with the Modern Health Alliance, one thing that we want to make sure is to have those patient advocacy groups at the table, whether it's mental health groups. I mean. We all know that this is one reason we're all pushing for these clinical trials and this research. We have a mental health epidemic in our country. There has mm -hmm. to be other ways to treat and help individuals that have mental health um, uh, needs and so forth. So I think the patient groups are really, really important. Um, for instance, it was about a year ago, the Michael J. Fox Foundation came out with a piece mm -hmm. talking about advising patients with Parkinson's on medical cannabis, right? Yep. I put that on my LinkedIn. Within like three days, I had 10,000 views. I mean, people are so anxious and hungry for that information yep. and and how to advise patients and, and so forth. So the patient advocacy groups play a huge role in all of this. Absolutely. Definitely. They do. I mean, uh, and... You know, a specific disease like Parkinson's, it's very easy to point to the effect of a course of treatment because, you know, there's the one that 
you were, you mentioned with Michael J. Fox, there was another one back from, I think it's 2018 that showed a, uh, an individual, a, a senior never consumed cannabis at all, try a, and who had advanced Parkinson's, uh, take a couple of drops of tincture. And within a few minutes, he was able to have a conversation and hold a glass of water mm-hmm. that, you know, those are dramatic, uh, changes and benefits to people who otherwise are being denied. But, you know, most of our listeners are on the same side. We all agree <laughs> we need to do something. Um, but so with regards to, um, you know, what you're doing with the Modern Health Alliance, you're also part of the Alliance for Regenerative Medicine. And I think you've been part of that board for uh, a number of years. You're working all around, you know, the various, well, this one issue. Is there, what's the initiative you think that's going to trigger the biggest amount of change in the next year? Because it's not going to be federal legalization. We, we can pretty much guarantee that's not happening, especially in the election coming up. But what is going to be a big move in the next year? Well, let me say with ARM, I am no longer on their board. I did on, I served on it for eight years and I loved it. Michael is still an advisor for ARM. He's one of the co-founders, but he still advises them. And I mean, that organization, when I got involved, was 300 maybe people. Right. Now, now it's 2,500 around the world. And so that's our vision for the Modern Health Alliance, having, you know, all these groups get involved and so forth. I think one thing that could be very important is to the rescheduling of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can get that done, we'll have a playbook for psilocybin and hopefully look at maybe rescheduling psilocybin um so i think that's an important issue i think the other big issue that we're really wanting to push is to get uh, more research dollars for these clinical trials um i think that's very important and i think it's interesting when you're working with lawmakers they always want the information and the facts they're like okay where are the trials do you have a white paper on that or do you have information on that right so I mean, that is a very important piece of, um, I think, moving this therapy forward. Yeah, and it's, it's it's such a funny request when it happens because on the one hand, they're asking for research into something they're not allowing. Right. How do you, how, how do, which, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg. You, yes. want, you want the egg, but you don't want to allow me to have a chicken. Exactly, exactly. And and we can very politely point that out and when we're meeting with them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there is like, uh, I think University in uh, Mississippi is able to do some research and is able to access products legally and do some tie-ins. And there have been some international studies which are useful and more and more beneficial in documenting. Um, you know, some, of course, are in other languages, but that's just a translation issue. But that information is is more and more available. Yeah. And the research institutions, let me also say, as I look at everyone that needs to be involved is, um, of course, the research institutions. And if you go on our website, Modern Health Alliance, we're building um, a scientific research board um, to have researchers um, that can provide information to us, maybe even down the road, um, testify at hearings. Uh, We had one of the Washington University researchers testify here in Missouri at the hearing, um, and they have such a beautiful way of explaining things a little bit better uh, as to what they're doing and so forth. But 
having the research institutions and the startups and the patient advocacy groups and venture capitalists. I mean, you know, we all need to work together on this and um, hopefully we can help coordinate that effort. Yeah. So, you know, and for, um, for the organization for the Modern Health Alliance, I mean, the mandate to support the legislative and regulatory um, policies to encourage research education. I mean, physician education's massive and it's actually, you know, something that's, I know in Germany, they're putting a, a huge effort behind it because they've recognized that even if the, the cannabis is available, doctors won't write the prescriptions without the education because they want to know specifically what to write and when because they're very formulaic for the most part. And I'm not criticizing, just the, you know, the reality of it. Um, that requires the research studies to be done and the documentation to be prepared. And education, of course, goes beyond that. Um, but what area is going to, you know, I, I look at it and I say, I think actually psilocybin will run far ahead of cannabis and far as far as rescheduling and access um, because it's it's simpler. Cannabis is an incredibly complicated product. Um, the education straightforward, the documentation straightforward. Because you're dealing with very few very few compounds and molecules as you're going forward by comparison to cannabis. But when you're working to encourage, are you? Where are you going to spend the focus and the time, do you think, as the organization that will move the regulate regulators? Because again, that's you can pass the law, but the regulators actually write how it's going to be put in place and what's going to happen. Well, that's why we're a policy group, quite honestly. I mean, we are really committed to developing these recommendations, engaging Congress, working with the FDA, working with government agencies to really shape and impact legislation and regulation for the funding for cannabis and psychedelics. So we're going to try to stay in our lane. <laughs> right. Well, that's the um, challenge. There's so much to be done. There's a lot to be done. But, um, and also with Michael being an FDA regulatory attorney and with my policy background, what we're hoping is, and it's interesting as we get people involved with MHA, we're a member organization, um, they'll say, boy, you know, I know how to do the research or I know this, but I don't know anything about policy. And that's right. why we say, well, that's why we're here is so you have a seat at the table that these organizations and these researchers and others will have a seat at the table um, and we will hopefully lead the way with forming policy and work working with these government agencies because that's one thing Michael is very good at. He's done this for cell and gene therapy. Right. So he can do it for, you know, psychedelics and cannabis and um and so that's kind of we feel like that's what we have to offer and to really assist people to get these therapies moving forward so we're right. going to try to stay in our policy lane how's that, that well that's that's important <laughs> because i hope you have tremendous success we we need to have groups that are targeting each of the areas and pushing together to get this done because it's a it's a huge boulder that we're trying to move up the hill and it shouldn't be yeah, I totally agree, but it's, as you know, and just being at like the Wonderland Conference last week, and I spoke on federal policy, right? And so the the, the room at first was, well, I'm in that crowded, and pretty soon it filled up. And I thought, you know, it's because people who care about this issue so much, 
they want to know about the policy. They want to know how they can get involved. They want to know what we can do to move things forward. So that was so encouraging um, to see that. And we just had this very open dialogue with everyone. It was just me and one other, um, one guy on the panel. So it was nice. We had this great dialogue with everybody in the audience and the enthusiasm was fantastic. Hmm. And that's, and when you look at that and you look at that support and that dialogue, I mean, that, that's where it becomes incredibly meaningful because the individual takes away the learnings and hopefully carries it forward to many other people. Um, who else is on your board? Well, we are just going to be forming our board the first of the year. Um, like I said, we just launched, we've been working on yeah. this since spring. So we launched in September. Um, we had a nice panel. We had former Congressman Ed Perlmutter. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on the panel, and he is also going to be working with us and, and advising us. He is now a partner at Holland Knight. Right. Um, we had um, Gary Hess. So he's out of Louisiana. Yep. He started the Veterans Alliance for Holistic Alternatives, an amazing yep. guy. And we had Dr. Anna Yasm, so she's out of Yale, and she's starting the Spiritual and Mental Health Center for Yale. So those were our our speakers that launched, and um, they're still very much involved. And as we pull people in and get people involved, um, then we'll establish our board the first of the year. Okay. Uh, but again, we're going to keep it small. I see us having an advisory board. We'd like to set up committees because once you get involved in an organization like this we want your feedback we want your input and so we'll have various committees that we will be looking to have um, people be a part of and looking for their expertise to help and guide us as we move this forward so yeah because it's when you're trying to move something well anything forward through all the different bodies it's it's not trivial nor simple nor does it take it takes, you know, there was the, of course, the old Hillary Clinton takes a village, but yes. it's much more than a village to move this. It- <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, as you said that, I was thinking it and I thought, oh, it's going to take a little bit more. Than that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, no. unfortunately it will. But, you know, it's actually amazing the power of the right people behind something and the right and hitting the right notes. Um for those who are listening. And don't you also feel it's like advocating, and this is on our website, but I love this line, advocating for a modern approach to medicine. Yes. And I think that's why we're all involved in this, in this effort. This is what we believe. I mean, and as you hear veterans talk, like Gary talks about his experience coming back um, from being deployed and get, been, being given these prescription drugs or go talk to a therapist or whatever and he's like he goes it just didn't work for me right i needed a new approach and so that's it worked for him and now he's helping others um other veterans and i love i love his story yeah no it's it's fantastic and i mean it's a story which gets repeated around the world i go back to you know i I was involved in and helped write the law that legalized cannabis for medical purposes in peru but it really got kicked off because a number of mothers were arrested for making um, medicine for their children with epilepsy. And these mothers were faced with $40 a day 
bills for medical treatment um, in a country where you earned on average $583 a month or growing the plant illicitly, making the medicine and hoping. And the president of Peru at the time, uh, Pedro Pablo Kaczynski, said, uh, this is ridiculous. We can't put mothers in jail for helping their children. Every one of us would have liked our mothers to help us and expect it. And we can't turn around and throw them in jail for doing what we expect them to do. And that set off the, you know, the wheels turning in a country where there was no support for legalization. And within a year it was done. It took years to get the regulations done, but within a year it became legal. And these mothers were no longer facing criminal prosecution. It's the sort of thing which happens repeatedly around the world because it's, yes, it's emotional, but it also becomes very rational. Yet what are we doing? becomes the question. And as soon as we do that, we start finding answers. Um, Dana, we are out of time for today, but people who want to learn about Modern Health Alliance, they can visit your website and how do they participate? So yes, go to modernhealthalliance.org and you can give us your information, uh, your email address. As I said, we just launched, but we eventually, we want to be a resource. We want to be an education um, information center for folks. And so we, we do have a LinkedIn page we just set up, um, but we hope to provide various information, uh, white papers, et cetera. But there is a button, you just say contact us and provide us with your information. We will not share it with anybody um, and you'll be in the circle. And then there's also, as you'll sit, see, ways to become a member of MHA. We have different member levels and so forth. Now, patient advocacy groups and veterans groups can join for free. You know, we, we want them to work with us and be a part of this. Um, so, so we're really excited. It's taken off and I feel like here we go, but we need everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, we do need everybody involved to succeed as with, as with anything. We all have to pull in the same direction. As soon as we stop, we run into challenges and, you know, we've got, you've got a big, uh, a heavy load to push and pull, but it has to be done. I'm really uh, glad you're doing this. So thank you. thank you. And Dina, thanks for joining us on High on Healthy this week. And for the listeners, just feel free to learn more at modernhealthalliance.org. Thank uh -huh. you. Modernhealthalliance.org. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks, sir. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky, and we'll be back again with you shortly.